Testing, testing, one, two, one, two. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of As the Sports World Burns. I am Tony Burns, sports writer for over 30 years. Uh, I'd like to talk to you um, about some things uh, using old school knowledge with the new school perspective. That's the goal. Um, today, sort of an old story, but I'm just kind of getting around to it. Um, the NCAA Swimming and Diving Championships were held recently. Um, in one of the events, a um, young woman named Leah Thomas, competing for Pennsylvania, won the Women's 500 Freestyle. Um, the significance of this is the young woman began her career at Penn as a man. Um, she swam on the the men's team in 2017, and then she began her, um, I guess it's called transition from a man to a woman. Uh, she began that in her junior year. Set out a year for COVID, and then she swam on the women's team for the first time this season, 2021-22. And she became a national champion. Uh, And obviously, there's a big controversy on whether or not she should be allowed to compete with the women. Um, For me... The beauty of sports is it's always it's all about the level playing field. That's the only thing I care about in sports. I don't care about race or anything else or politics. The only thing that's important in sports is that everyone has a level playing field. A definition of a level playing field. A situation in which every participant has a fair and equal chance of succeeding. That's why. That's why a, a two hundred pound man does not box or wrestle against a one hundred and fifty pound man. That would be an uneven or unlevel playing field. That's not fair, and that's it's the essence of sports competing is fairness. There's a lot of um, debate as far as transitioning, the transgender transitioning from a man to a woman. As far as, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand it. Okay, I don't know. I didn't do that much research on it. I know that the, 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 the lady in question, the lady we're talking about, said she lost a lot of muscle mass or uh, or whatever uh, during the transition. Uh, her time in one of the events was 15 seconds slower as a woman than when she swimming as a man. So does that make it fair for a person who was born a man to not compete against women? We all know men... 
males are born with physical advantages as far as size, strength, speed. That's why men don't compete against women. Um, it's just, it's different. It's not fair. This is a tough case for some people. For me, it's not tough. If you're born a man, I'm sorry, if you're born a male, I guess you're born a man, but if you're born a male, then as far as sports goes, you should compete against other athletes who were born male. I don't care about the, you know, all the other stuff, the muscle mass and, and, and all this other stuff. To me, if you're born a male, I don't care how many drugs you take or how many surgeries you have, you'll always have an advantage over someone who was born a female, a physical advantage. This only We're only talking about sports, competition. And anything else, any other walk of life, you know, whatever. But in sports, it has to be a level playing field or it's not fair. There are people who argue, well, she has a right to compete, and she does. She has a right to compete against other people who are like her. She has a right to compete against other people who were born male, transitioned to be female. That's who she should be competing against. That's my opinion. That being said, I have no, I mean, this isn't about some sort of prejudice against transgender or anything like that. It's just about sports and fairness in sports. That's the only thing I care about. Um, I don't know. It's to be fair. I, you you have male, you have female, and I, you just have to check. You have to add another box now. Uh, there are Paralymp para. Oh God, how do I say it? Para Paralympics where um that I butchered that. I mean, where people who are handicapped compete. There are wheelchair games, you know, where, you know, but they're all, you know, they're people who all have the same physical makeup. It's fair. Everyone's in a wheelchair. Everyone is, uh, no one has an advantage. And that's what it's going to have to be for transgender. You're not male. You are a transitioned female, which is not the same as someone who is born female. Just my opinion. I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's common sense. But clearly, other people differ. But I will say my opinion is, is based solely on on sports and fairness in sports. That's it.
I had I would welcome other people's opinion. I've heard and read other people's opinions, some people who I respect and um and they disagree. And that's fine. But um like I said, to me it's common sense. It's fair, level playing field. On to our top five. In honor of women's sports, the NCAA tournament. Top five women's basketball programs of all the times. <laughs> um, on this one, I, on this topic, I am biased. I admit it. I don't care. It's my podcast. This is my list. Um, number five. First question, do you have to have a national championship in your trophy case to be considered one of the top women's programs or one of the top programs? I would normally say yes. I do have an exception right now. University of Georgia women under Coach Andy Landers never won a national championship, but they were relevant and in the hunt for probably close to 25 years made it to several final fours. They would, uh, they had, um, a team with legendary performers like Teresa Edwards and Katrina McLean all the way up to the two thousands. Uh, they had Saudi Roundtree and Lakeisha Frett made it to the national championship game, lost to Tennessee. That program was relevant for so long, never got over the hump. I think they're one of the top five programs. They're still relevant today under a different coach, although Joni Taylor just left to go to Texas A&M. So they'll be under their, I guess, third coach since Coach Landers left. But the program's still relevant today. Number four, Louisiana Tech under Coach Leon Barmore. Uh, first it was Leon Barmore and Sonia Hogue. They were co-coaches. Then Leon Barmore took over. People who are young don't understand how good Louisiana Tech was. They were a perennial Final Four team. I believe I saw on ESPN one of their 15,000 graphics they were during the game that Louisiana Tech went to seven or eight consecutive Final Fours, which is one of the longest streaks ever. Um, I miss the old Louisiana Tech. It was fun going down there, driving less than an hour away, and going to watch Tennessee or um, they used to have a battle with Western Kentucky. People don't understand. Western Kentucky used to be big dogs. They made it to a national championship game also. And I watched Virginia down there. I watched Penn State down there. I watched um, just um, not Ohio State. Um, uh, shoot, I can't think of another school I watched down there. But it was a, uh, some big-time powerhouse teams down there. Uh, number three. UConn. What? I know what you're saying. UConn. Number three. Number three. Because I know they're great and they're the dominant team by far, although they haven't won that championship in a while. And they're not going to win this year because Stanford's going to beat them. But right now, UConn is the dominant program. But the two teams that have ranked ahead of them paved the way. And if it weren't for these two schools and these two coaches – I don't think there'd be a UConn right now. 
So you could under Gino Oriema, perennial powerhouse, perennial Final Four team, perennially has every advantage known to man. They have ESPN as their home network. They get the that gum tournament regionals in their in their backyard every time, every year. Don't get me started. Number two, my favorite coach, Tara Vanderveer and the Stanford Cardinal. Love Tara Vanderveer, love her teams every year. Even the players change, but the school, the program stays the same. Class, they're the defending champions. Going to win it again this year, I think. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I've spoken to Tara Vanderveer several times on the phone. My favorite coach, my absolute favorite coach. Uh, talked to all five of these coaches on the phone, actually, that I'm talking about. I like them all. Yeah, I like them all. Um, but love Stanford. In my heart, I would put the number one, but I cannot put them over. Tennessee and the legendary late great Pat Summit. Tennessee put women's basketball on the map. Pat Summit and Tara Vanderveer grew the game of women's basketball. They played UConn before UConn was anything. Back when Gina Oriema was a young pup, Tara Vanderveer and Pat Summit volunteered to go into his place at his home and play the games so his team he could get his program on, on the ESPN. Because they loved the game of women's basketball and they wanted, they knew for the sport to grow, they needed UConn or a team in that area to get the TV, to get ESPN interested in covering it. And so, in my opinion, they sacrificed their own program for the betterment of their sport. They created, they helped, I won't say, they helped create UConn. And as a payment, UConn passed them up, kind of swallowed them up. But it will never pass them in my in my eyes. Pat Summit, Tennessee, the number one women's basketball program, the most important women's basketball program ever. And that's my time for today. Thank you so much for listening. As you were. <laughs>